In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. This Sunday, we begin to walk up to the celebration of the exaltation of the life-giving cross. The feast which we'll celebrate just tomorrow evening. In the lead-up to this feast, we are given the opportunity in the readings to discover anew the meaning and purpose of the cross of our Savior. It is a mark, a sign, an emblem of the Christian way. We were reminded also, especially in the reading of the epistle, that no human being escapes this life without being marked in some way. Nobody is able to live without some measure of suffering, some measure of pain in our earthly life, and we so often carry these as a heavy burden. That we are marked and that we all die are the sole guarantees we have. They are inevitable. Each of you have marks you bear on your bodies and printed on your souls. Prints from your wounds and pains, from your joys and your celebrations. What we do with all of this, that's what matters. Christ himself recalls for us an ancient story about wounds and healings with a single phrase. Jesus tells us that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Our Lord recalls for us a story of the Israelites wandering in the desert and how we may see this event as the foretaste of the redemption gained by the cross. The people that were brought out of Egypt and saved from slavery were ungrateful and complained against God for their hardship, even as they wandered seeking to arrive in the land promised by that very God. Their sins brought poison, poisonous serpents into their encampment and their lives were threatened. As they went, these serpents kept invading the camp, and the poisonous bites they endured killed many. Moses, in his pleas to the God of Israel, sought redemption and forgiveness for the sins that caused this turmoil. Moses was told by God to make a serpent of brass and lift it up in the middle of the encampment for all to see. When they looked at this statue, a miracle occurred every time. The poison had no effect, and the people were healed. They still endured the bites and the threat, but there was healing always visible to them and always available. Those bites and sufferings, those temptations and wounds that cause us pain and mark us are in need of healing, and they have an answer. Christ lifted up and crucified is the answer to the inevitability of suffering. And it is the cross that saves us from the ultimate death. We are also reminded today that out in the world, there are people trying to count you as their own, to mark you, if you will. They are like the snakes trying to claim your life. They seek to mark and sort you and count you as theirs, people who cannot draw you to God and have no desire to do so, but only to make their own gain from you and to be counted and make a good showing in their own ledgers. The Apostle Paul warns us that these kinds of people seek to compel you to be marked, that you be not persecuted for the cross of Christ. Never in the history of the church have Christians had the luxury of being carefree of those who desire to sign over them something or someone other than Christ. In St. Paul's day, he mentions it explicitly, it was circumcision, but emptied of its purpose. At other times, it was a pinch of incense to a random people, a random idol, a powerless idol. 
At other times, it was a mere verbal repetition of an approved phrase, assenting to a godless regime. In other times, some tricky or popular heresy. In these times, perhaps, it is a more subtle means. But know this, the aims of those kinds are all the same. It is the denial of Christ and his cross, even if many do so unwillingly, or unknowingly, rather. All those markings have no ultimate value. They offer nothing to you of lasting value. Regardless of the times a Christian lives in, the Christian must be watchful and always cling to the cross as the rule of life and cling to no other emblem and no other sign. It is only because the Son of God himself has entered into the world that that is at all possible, that it is at all possible to live by the rule of the cross. It is only in that glory of Jesus Christ, with arms outstretched on the cross, giving up his spirit for our sake, only by that sign do we become a new creation. This is what our Father in heaven did for us. He sent his Son into the world to fully enter it, by joining our human existence in order to save us. Christ took on human nature with all of its changeability, its ability to be marked and inscribed, to suffer and to become glorified. And he turned our inevitable suffering into a way to know him. Jesus Christ, that same Son of God who remains always in the divine radiance and glory, today in the Gospel reading has identified himself as the Son of Man. Christ has told us by these words that in the most fundamental way possible, he is united with us lowly creatures. Or, as St. John Chrysostom states it, Jesus has claimed for himself our inferior substance. He did not fulfill some ideal. Rather, he condescended to us and emptied himself to save us. The inferior substance, that very own body and blood that is his own, being united in, glor- in the glorious divinity, became an instrument of healing for us. Christ's body is lifted up on the cross for our healing, for all to see and be healed. So when the God-man was lifted and exalted on the cross, that instrument of torture and execution became filled with glory. He made suffering a place to gain salvation. By the lifting up of the Son of Man, The godless world became dead to you, and you to the world, and you were made alive to God. By following this rule of the cross, that is, by taking up the suffering for Christ's sake, you you make room for divine grace in your soul. You can't skip the cross to get to the resurrection, because he didn't skip it. I know it's very tempting to think that you can, that somehow you can hack the system, or do this one neat trick every day to get to a perfect state, no matter how many clickbait articles tell you otherwise, this is not possible. In all all the acts of the church, we make the sign of the cross and wield it as a mark of our salvation. All things, except sin, begin, participate, and are sealed by the cross and become filled with God in the church. You do this with your own hand, by making the sign, by the anointing of the priest and his blessing, and is inscribed on so many items around you. And even within the building and topped by the building itself is the sign of the cross. By the cross, you carry with you wherever you go into the world that you wear around your neck. 
We could go on and on how filled the Christian life is with the sign of the cross. It is impossible to count how often the cross is made by us and is emblazoned on the life of the Christian. Indeed, today, we have the huge reminder that it is only through the cross that paradise and heaven are opened. It is the cross that is the bridge between the created and the uncreated, between the effects of sin and its scars and the Holy One. The cross is the glory of God spanning the gap of heaven and earth. It is only the cross that is the divide that crosses the dividing bridge. It is the intersection of all things that by nature are logically impossible to unite. The snake lifted up in the desert only healed the body. Christ lifting up heals us for eternity. It is the crosses we bear that allow us to join the divine eternal life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The cross we bear for the sake of Christ is vital. We, it, by it, we realize that anything separated from God will lead to nothingness. And anything united to him, most especially our suffering and our pain and the scars and the bites of the serpent in the wilderness that have attacked us, these become the way that we get to the resurrection when we bear them for Christ's sake. The sacrifice of the God-man changed everything for us. So that is what Christ has done. What do we do? To speak a bit about the voluntary ways that we inscribe that rule of the cross in St. Paul's language into your life. How we may say with St. Paul, I glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I into the world. All Orthodox Christians begin this practice of how to be crucified to the world and joined to Christ by prayer, by fasting, and by giving to others, as well as many other blessed ascetic practices. These ways of taking up the cross train us by means of our bodies so that those marks of the flesh that we don't get to choose, those involuntary things that we all bear, that we spoke about earlier, that those things don't begin to control our lives and control our actions. These ways of taking up the cross that I have mentioned, they need to be guided by our pastors in the love of Christ. There is no one size fits all, much like the clickbait articles aren't right. But in some form, we need to take up these voluntary crosses so that we can see the true cross inscribed in all aspects of our life and journey toward that paradise with Christ. When you live in that way, you start to live in the world but its laws and norms, the ways the world marks and separates us out, out, counts us as its own, begin to become unappealing. They begin not to matter to us. Your desire to participate and consume the world's offerings begin to die. You begin to not desire merely the comfort of food or, the, or money or intimate companions. You count the pursuit of others or power over others as nothing but rather they become silly to you. Those ways no longer matter when you follow the sign of the cross. Rather, you begin to want and desire the kingdom of heaven and to want the best for those around you. Even when it is not always what you actually choose to do, you begin to desire it. This is the way that we wash our interior sins out and those sins that block us from loving others. By them, we become open to the bottomless wellspring of love. 
and drink deeply of it. When this happens, the cup of our heart runs over with this love, the love of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The wounds in our soul from our fleshly life heal. And like that serpent of brass in the wilderness that healed the body, our wounds of our soul become healed by the cross of Christ. This divine love pours out onto others. When you embrace an uncomfortable situation for Christ's sake and your neighbors, you join to him. When you show love to enemies and strangers and pray for them, you are united to God. When you deny yourself or stand fast in faith for Christ and your neighbor's sake, you make room for the Lord to enter and to heal the poison that's residing in you. This is what St. Paul calls the rule of the cross. The apostle is speaking about this thing, about this way. The suffering and the markings and wounds are inevitable in this life. It is only by the cross of Christ that the victory of Christ enters into our lives. The cross must be lifted up inside your inner man every day, and every day we must bow to it and take the cross with us in all we do. By the cross, all those little crosses which we each bear, we are united to God and the things gain ultimate meaning, and we receive life. We receive healing, and all that is lower and that is of our own inferior substance is glorified in a beautiful transfiguration which reveals the love he has for us, his creatures. The whole reason he came to earth and was crucified upon the cross was for us. So follow the rule of the cross and join him and receive his love. Be courageous and follow this way, and the glory of the cross, which we are about to celebrate, will be signed upon you, and its glory becomes your own. Follow this way in the experience of heaven and the king dwelling there are ready to enter. So, O Lord in heaven, grant us the grace of the cross which brought us paradise, that we may glorify it and our whole life and be marked by it, O good one who loves mankind. Grant us the courage to embrace our little crosses and to see your heavenly kingdom. Amen.